Good morning. Um, because I just last week talked about the need to forgive, I guess I should ask for forgiveness from Pastor Kathy for hiding under the pew, seeing what would happen to her, how fast I could get her heart rate going two minutes before service. <laughs> um, and then also, I believe, or I was told that the scripture is going to be up on the screen this morning. It wasn't last week, and I also need to ask forgiveness for that because it turns out it was my fault. Um, it, it, I was standing there waiting for it to go, and you probably thought, oh no, the projection person dropped the ball this morning. Turns out I sent an email that kind of made it sound like I didn't want it up there. Um, so I looked back at it and went, yeah, that was my fault too. So um, just get forgiveness out of the way this morning because we're moving on to another theme. You know, it's a one-week only thing. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> We are on to another theme this morning, and it comes out of Acts chapter 20. So we'll be reading the first six verses of Acts 20. Last week, we read a passage uh, written by the Apostle Paul, one of the founders of the early church, one of the men that God gave the call to to go out and preach the gospel to grow the church. And um, instead of reading from one of the Apostle Paul's letters this morning, we are reading from the book of Acts that tells the tale of his journey helping start the uh, church in Jesus Christ. So we're going to read a few verses of Paul's travel and doing just that. So before we read from God's word together, would you please join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. We trust that every single verse in it has something to say. A truth that has been preserved for centuries so that we could know. So that we could know more about you, more about your infinite and unbelievable love for us in Jesus Christ. And how the Spirit empowers us to respond now, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to be your church here on earth. Lord, let us not take that calling lightly, but humble ourselves before your word. We pray that you would light it on fire on the page and in our hearts, and that we would be changed by our time dwelling with you in your spirit, in your word, here this morning. And we pray this in the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and, after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in the mid-1990s, there was a kid's show on TV called Captain Planet. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? Every, I, I, I got a, okay, I got a few hands, got a few. Anyway, I don't know it that well at all. I, I, I don't think I really watched it as a kid. But if you don't know it, Captain Planet was a show about five kids who were given powerful magic rings to control different elements of nature. And with the rings, they helped stop evil people who wanted to destroy the planet. And if they got in over their heads while they were fighting the bad guys, they could join their rings together and summon the powerful superhero named Captain Planet. And the way they did that was by throwing their fist in the air one at a time with their magic ring and shouting the name of whatever ring they had. And it would always go in the same order. Earth, fire, wind, water, and heart. And as I said, I don't think I watched the show much as a kid, maybe once or twice, because the only thing I remember about it was the commercials for it where they would sing the goofy Captain Planet song. And all I ever thought about when I heard the Captain Planet song was that I felt bad for the kid with the heart ring. All the other kids would throw their rings up in the air and yell, Earth, wind, fire, water. And those sound like cool things to have a magic ring to control. And then the last boy would throw his hand in the air and go, heart. And it made me wonder, how often does that kid lay awake at night thinking about stealing his friend's rings? The wind kid is busy making tornadoes. The fire kid is shooting flames out of his ring. The the water kid is causing a tidal wave. The earth kid is making an earthquake. And all the while, he's stuck at the end of the line going, heart. I'm guessing that the cartoon made up some cool superpowers for the heart kid too. But I have to believe they had a hard time convincing the boys and girls at home that the heart ring was as cool as all the other rings. Because we don't want to be known as the kid with the most heart. Because that phrase usually comes to be known as the kid who's not good at much else. If you're talking about a basketball team, if the coach is talking about his team, and he said, you know, Billy, man, Billy has so much heart. He is the heart of our team. The first thought that goes through people's heads is, oh, Billy doesn't get to play very much. Boy, he must be good at sitting at the end of the bench cheering on his teammates with actual talent. Well, the other kids are pumping their fist in the air saying, awesome dunk, Kevin. Nice pass, Steve. Billy's on the sidelines throwing his hand in the air going, heart. The kid with the heart ring is the kid that grows up thinking, nice guys don't get the girl. Guys don't want to be known as the nice guy with the big heart. They want to be known as the mysterious, cool guy with the motorcycle. And even though... This competition might not be as obvious. This jealousy happens in the church. When it comes to the gift, the gifts that God gives the church and people in the church as the body of Christ, so many of us want the cool rings that get us noticed. We want to be the person that always comes up with those perfect words to say during a group prayer that makes everybody else nod their head and go, oh, wow, amen. You want to be the one that everybody else thinks of when the going gets tough and they go, who do we need to lead to have the vision to see our way through this time? 
oh, you know what? We need this person because they've got the perfect spiritual gift ring for that. They know how to get the job done. We want to get noticed. We want to be important. Not the person that's told, just stand over at the end of the line and yell heart. Church sometimes seems like a basketball team or a high school dating scene. And if you have such a great heart, it can seem like you've just been told, look at you over there not doing anything all that important, but hey, you're doing something too. Way to be a good sport. And if you want a biblical example of someone who seemed to have all of the cool magic rings, spiritual gift rings, look no further than the Apostle Paul. He had all of the good rings, all the gifts from God that everybody wants. There's several stories in the book of Acts that talk about Paul miraculously healing people in Jesus' name. Just one chapter before the passage that we read this morning, in Acts 19, it says, so much of the Holy Spirit's power was coming out of Paul that people would literally come and touch him with rags. And then they would bring those rags to sick friends and family, put them on them, and they would be healed. That's how much power from the Holy Spirit was pouring out. And if the churches in that day wanted to know how to settle a dispute or live out their callings better, guess who they asked about it? Guess who they said, hey, can you write a letter to us and instruct us in the faith? The wise Apostle Paul, whose letters to those churches are literally a huge chunk of our Bibles that we learn from every day. So Paul had the rings of healing, the ring of preaching, evangelism, leadership, you would think he could spare one or two spiritual gifts for somebody else instead of hogging them all for himself. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, he was one of the founders, one of the guys that Jesus entrusted to start the church in the midst of a hostile world, and he probably needed to be a spiritual Holy Spirit jack of all trades. But you may have noticed our passage this morning isn't exactly chock full of Paul's heroic gifts like other passages in Acts. Verse 1 starts off by saying, when the uproar had ended, which begs the question, what uproar? What are we talking about? Well, the story right before our passage talks about how Paul was doing such powerful miracles and preaching so powerfully that the entire city of Ephesus was thrown into an uproar. So many people were coming to Christ and there were other people who still believed in the pagan gods of Rome. And so they started fighting and it caused a riot in the entire city. So after the riot died down, verse 1 goes on to say, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. So famous miracle worker Paul makes sure he doesn't leave the city before gathering together his brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging them, telling them to keep it up, keep the faith. Then verse 2 tells us that he traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece. So immediately after this chapter where you have Paul healing hundreds of people, doing amazing things in Jesus' name, we move directly into this passage where it doesn't seem like there's anything to talk about at all. We just have Paul 
kind of walking around, encouraging some believers before he leaves Ephesus, and then he goes tromping around from town to town, encouraging some more people. We go from a passage that's worthy of having an action movie made out of it to Paul walking around going, hey, everybody, see you loving Christ there. Keep up the good work. He's just encouraging people. Just encouraging. That's all the passage really says he's doing. This little passage that we read said over three months went by during this stretch. And there isn't a single story in there about the amazing Apostle Paul healing anyone, preaching a great sermon, converting thousands of people. Nowhere does Paul throw any of his really cool spiritual gift rings in the air and shout, healing or leading. It kind of looks like he's just walking around the country going, heart. Now, I'm guessing when I started reading this passage this morning, none of you thought, oh, good, this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I doubt any of you have this in a picture frame at home or carved into the mantle. I wouldn't be surprised if you've never heard a message on these few verses at all. Because it doesn't seem like there's anything to it. It's like in between verses. Let's get back to the action. And it's important to remember that in these hundreds of miles that Paul traveled, going from church to church, encouraging, he couldn't get there in just an hour or two. This was travel in the ancient world. The boat that they sailed on couldn't fire up the motor and speed over to Troas. They couldn't get on the gospel greyhound and drive to the next town. They had to walk. They had to sail. Travel was extremely slow in the ancient world. We're talking about days and weeks spent on the road, sailing the sea, all this time and energy spent by the man Jesus specifically called to plant and lead his church. And all he has to report back on after three months is that he encouraged some people and then went and encouraged some other people? Your first thought might be, man, Paul better come up with something better to say than that, or his monthly performance review with Peter is not going to go well. But what I believe we need to see in this passage is that encouraging, simple encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ is a big deal. Being the one on the team with heart, the one who knows how to cheer others on, how to keep them going, doesn't just mean you're worthy of some spot on the end of the bench while the game goes on. In God's kingdom, encouragers are put at the center of the action. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote several times in his letters that we have in the Bible about how important it is for Christians to encourage others, to encourage one another. And I could have picked one of those for the topic of encouragement. But I didn't want to talk about a time when the great leader, Apostle Paul, told other people they should go out and encourage. I wanted to show a time when he took the time, when he took months to do it himself. Not saying, oh, that's good for other people to do if you're not good at anything else. But the leader of the church in the ancient world knew it was a vital part of being a Christian at all, no matter what other gifts you have. You know, I don't think I have to convince you personally that encouragement is important. Because I think, I would guess, 
that you have all had someone in your life who has literally shaped who you are today because they said a few words of encouragement at just the right time. When you were wondering what to be, where to go to school, what vocation to choose, what your life was going to be like after high school, maybe somebody said, you know, I see this gift in you. Have you ever wondered about this? Have you ever wondered about taking this path, making this decision? Because, wow, you are gifted in this area. I see that you're struggling here, but keep it up because you have so many amazing gifts that you can use for God's kingdom. And yet, even though we've had that in our own lives, and we know how important it can be, I'm afraid that still taking the time to do that for other people, to sit with other people, encourage them, laugh with them, cry with them, hear their stories, pray with them, tell them to keep it up, that often takes the back seat to everything else and only happens when we've cleared our schedule of the actual important things. We can usually remember to thank someone when they do something for us, but we often forget how important it can be to just let someone know you care about them, that they matter, that they're on your mind, and that you want them to be encouraged. In our culture today, we put a high value on working harder than the next person and keeping our priorities straight. We make sure that what has to get done goes to the top of the to-do list. And that mindset has brought our society a lot of wealth, financially, a lot of success. But the importance of, quote-unquote, wasting our time and resources to just be with someone, encourage them to stay strong in the Lord, to keep it up, has gotten downplayed. For one, most of us just simply don't have the time anymore. If we work from sunup to sundown, six, seven days a week, when are we going to scoot over to the nursing home to remind Uncle Hank that he still has a role here on earth, that he still matters to God and to us? When are we going to find the time to take our niece or nephew out to lunch that we know is being bullied at school just to be a sounding board and to tell them, I see you. I see how great you are, and I know that it's tough right now. But keep it up. Keep going. Christ walks with you. And the only problem isn't just the amount of time we don't have. It's also the skewing of our priorities. How many times haven't you or haven't you said or heard someone else say a sentence like, man, I really should get over to see Aunt Sally sometime soon. It's been almost a year. Or, man, I heard Jack is having a really rough time since Betty passed away. I haven't even seen him in church in a few months. I should really stop over there. We say things like that all the time, but we don't say that about mowing the grass or getting our job done at work or reserving that cabin for the vacation that we know is going to get booked really fast. Because when we talk about those things, we say, well, that has to get done. And in those subtle ways that we talk about it, we reveal every day that our normal chores, the normal busyness of life, is for all stars. Taking the time out of your day to encourage someone, 
to be with them. That's for people who just don't have anything more important to do. Even though we know better, and I know I don't have to convince you of this truth, there's times when the Holy Spirit directly nudges our hearts, elbows us in the ribs to reach out to someone, and we still don't put it on the top of our to-do list. You know, God's word is telling us that even the Apostle Paul, whom Jesus arguably gave the most important role in the early church, even he made it a priority to spend a huge amount of time, months at a time, to make sure he built up his brothers and sisters in the Lord. No one can argue that Paul was a bench-sitting Christian. But he knew making that time wasn't just for people who had nothing better to do. You know, when I was um, at Alma College getting my undergrad degree, I took a New Testament class. And my professor there told us a story that I will never forget. He was talking about Paul's letters and about encouraging each other in the Lord, about how much other people in your life matter and to never take that for granted. And he said that a few years before that, he was walking down the sidewalk of campus at night. He said it was a long day. I was ready to get home. I still had some papers to grade. And I was walking by the main road that goes through campus, and on the other side of the road, there was a student from his class walking the other way. So I looked over at him, and I thought, oh, you know, there's Jeff. But, you know, I've got I've to keep going. I'll just give him a little wave. So he went to just give him a little wave, and he said, I, I physically felt like the Spirit was saying, you cross that road, and you go talk to that kid. He said, I did. I, I crossed the road, stopped in front of him, said, hey, Jeff, how's it, it's been great having you in my class. How are you doing today? And he said, he didn't really respond, barely said anything to me. Was, so after about a minute of awkward conversation, I just said, well, hope you have a good night. I'll see you in class tomorrow. And he said, made my way, thinking, well, I don't know, I felt so strongly I had to go talk to him. And it was the most awkward non-conversation I've ever had. I don't know why the Spirit thought that was important. He said a few years after that, a couple years later, Jeff graduated, and this professor was at the graduation ceremony. Jeff walked up to him afterwards, and he said, I want to thank you so much. You changed my life. And he said, well, you know, I, I appreciated having you in class too. And he said, no, I'm not talking about your class. He said, a couple years ago, you stopped me on the side of the road, and you said hi to me one night. I don't even know if you remember. I was going back to my room to kill myself. I had decided that night I was going to end my life. And then you crossed the road and said hi to me, said that you appreciated having me in your class. You saw me. And I realized, you know what, if, if he sees me, maybe life really is worth living. Maybe I should try to keep going one more day. So I'm not thanking you for the class. I'm thanking you because I wouldn't be here today graduating. I wouldn't be here today at all if you hadn't crossed the road that night. See, the truth is we have no idea who needs that much encouragement in our life at any one point in time. 
but we need to remember that it could be that important. And maybe it's not always that to that level of importance, but it's almost always more than we realize. To just tell somebody, I see you. You matter to me and you matter to God because that's always true. Even if you don't know all the details of their life, what's going on, that's always true. But almost all of us, myself included, forget that at times. So we need to be reminded by someone else. Brothers and sisters, I know most people don't just want the gift of encouragement. We don't want to be the Captain Planet kid at the end of the line yelling hard. We want to do more important stuff with our lives. But that small power to look into someone else's eyes and share the love of Christ with them, let them feel it one more time, can literally change lives, literally save lives. And I pray that we never take it for granted again. Thanks be to God. And amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, I want to ask this morning that by your Holy Spirit, you put someone in each and every person's mind here this morning. At least one name, one face of a person that we've probably already known needs encouragement in our life. A friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone that we see every day that's struggling right now. Someone that needs to be reminded that they matter to the creator of the universe and they matter to us. Lord, if anyone else here is like me, they won't have the perfect words to say. We might not know exactly how to help someone in a time of despair or loss or grief. So Lord, may our presence in your spirit, may the part we play in the body of Christ be enough to be physically present with them even if we don't feel like we know what to say or do. Let us be those who understand how important this part to play in the kingdom really is. That it's not just something that we do when we can get around to it. And we trust that in this Thanksgiving week, as you gather friends and families around tables, we trust that you'll give us a sense of who we need to connect with in this way. Who we need to reach out to. What neighbors right down the road may not be gathering on Thanksgiving because they don't have a place to go. Help us encourage them. And Lord, we thank you most of all that in Christ when we, all of humanity, was down and out with nowhere to turn, you came all the way down to us through your Son. Let us look a little bit like him 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.